chapter 15, verses 26 and 27. The Spirit of God will bear witness, and we shall bear witness. God is going to see to it that our generation is going to hear the Word of God. And when I think of the, of the avenues of mass communication today by radio, whether it be AM or FM or shortwave or television, my friend, the avenues that God has given to us to give forth the Word of life you can become a part of it. In 1 Corinthians 3, 9, we are workers together with God. Christ died for men, the Spirit of God convicts men, and we are to bear testimony. The Spirit of God, through the believer, using the Word of God, brings men to Christ. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, and our conviction is that the Word of God has never changed and never will. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our Bible study on witnessing continues with Dr. Mitchell. After reading and studying the Bible at a youth camp, I gave my life to Christ. God became closer to me than I was to myself, and the freedom from the guilt of sin vanished that night. And shortly thereafter, my college art professor, who became a very close friend, spent time listening to my questions about life and love and God. And God used him to bring home to me the fact that the grace of God is what salvation is all about. Not going to church, not being baptized, not taking the Lord's Supper or any other religious activity. None of that was the means of salvation. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says, by grace are you saved through faith. And that salvation by grace through faith is not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works. Now, at a later gospel presentation, I did go forward to acknowledge Jesus Christ as my Savior publicly. Well, here's Dr. Mitchell on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast. Thank you. We continue our studies again on the ministry of the Holy Spirit and in our last lesson, we were discussing this question that when one is filled with the Spirit of God, there will be the opportunity of witnessing. We become God's channels to witness the men and women of our Savior. And our responsibility as Christians to bear testimony for Him. And the power of the witness is the Spirit of God who indwells you. And you and I as men and women are to be the channels so that the Spirit through us may speak the Word of God to men and women. You remember again in Acts chapter 4, they prayed for boldness to witness. And when they prayed for boldness to witness, they were filled with the Spirit. They didn't pray to be filled with the Spirit. They prayed for boldness to witness. And God then took over and with great power give the apostles witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See, that's what I need. That's what you need. 
In all, all my experience with God's people, it's a rare thing to find somebody who, can I use a, uh, a term for the want of a better one, he was just a natural testimony for God. That word natural isn't good in there because witnessing is a supernatural work, the Spirit of God using the believer. And the Word of God exalting the person of Christ this is what the Spirit of God does. We're on God's team. And the theme of the witness, of course, is the person and work of our Savior. We read that to you in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, where Paul was with in weakness and in much fear, yet he would know nothing among them save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And the result of all the witness down through the years, all kinds of people have been saved, jailers and drunkards, and men in the gutter, men who are professors, doctors and lawyers, I don't care what strata of society men are in, the gospel can take them and transform them into the sons of God. And it's an amazing thing that you and I can become his channels, his channels. Why doesn't God send Gabriel his messenger? Why doesn't God use Michael the archangel? Why doesn't God use some holy angel to always do his bidding? No, no. God calls you and me, those of us who are saved, in whom the Spirit of God dwells. It is our responsibility to give the Word of God out. And if we, who are members of the body of Christ, do not bear testimony, my friend, they will never hear. They will never hear. And that kind of convicts me, and I'm sure it must convict you. You have friends, neighbors, people with whom you work, and you are the one that God holds responsible. You say, but I'm full of fear. I don't know what to say. Well, my friend, you get into your Bible and walk with the Lord. You needn't worry what you'll say. The Spirit of God will pour through you the very, very word that is needed in the life of the one to whom you witness. I say that not only because of what the Word of God says, but because of experience. It's amazing how the Spirit of God will bring to your mind some portion of Scripture you never even dreamed of using, and yet it is that Scripture which the Spirit of God uses to bring conviction in the heart and mind of the one to whom you speak. Oh, that we might be yielded vessels usable in his hands. So it really, it really calls for cooperation, doesn't it? We are to cooperate with God in this ministry of the Word of God. You remember in Acts chapter 5, the Apostle Peter says, it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us. You see, you've got a wonderful thing. You have it in chapter 13, where the, 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 the elders, the leaders in the church at Antioch, they cooperated with the Spirit of God. And when Saul and Barnabas went out to preach to the Gentiles, the church sent them out, and I read, the Spirit sent them out. There was a oneness, a oneness of spirit and of purpose, and they knew exactly what men to send out. All oh, that we would today walk with God, not try to push God into our way of thinking, but for us to be so yielded to him that he'll do the job. Uh, in John chapter 15, verses 26 and 27, we have the same thing. The Spirit of God will bear witness and we shall bear witness. And as I said the other in the last lesson, 
in 1 Corinthians 3, 9, we are workers together with God. Christ died for men, the Spirit of God convicts men, and we are to bear testimony. The Spirit of God, through the believer, using the Word of God, brings men to Christ. You remember that verse in Philippians chapter 2, verse 15, where it says, You are the sons of God in the midst of a wicked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights, holding forth the word of life. Ah, here's a responsibility. We are the sons of God in the midst of a wicked and perverse generation. We are surrounded by all kinds of lawlessness and sin and moral corruption and what have you. And sometimes the heart of believers become faint because of the condition of things. I'm not a pessimist. I'm just stating a fact. Even unsaved men are concerned about us. Unsaved men claim if we continue as we are, there'll be nobody left. We'll automatically, there'll be automatic death. This world will be a place of death instead of light. You take your ecologists today are declaring the same thing. And we haven't got much time left. We haven't got much time left to bear testimony to the Savior. I'm astounded that God should use us. We are the sons of God. Every believer, the weakest as well as the strongest, we are the sons of God in the midst of a wicked and perverse generation among whom we shine as lights holding forth the word of light. Our lives are to be so full with the fragrance of Christ. It will reveal Christ to men. And then our testimony, holding forth the word of life, the witness concerning our precious Savior. I'm not surprised that Paul in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20 says, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Think of it. Think of it. We are in Christ's stead. In behalf of Christ, we beseech man to accept the peace that he has made for man. God is willing that none should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of the truth. And he has limited, and I say this reverently, the Lord has limited himself the men and women on earth, to give forth a testimony concerning his Son. If he wanted to, he could blaze it across the heavens. Or he could send some great archangel or some great mighty angel to proclaim to the world the truth of the gospel. No, he's dependent upon you and me. I know in the book of Revelation, the angel is going to go forth uh, and preach to the nations of the earth. But today, he's counting on you. He's counting on me. Oh, how we have failed God. I wish I could put this into words just the way I feel about how I have failed and, the most, and most of God's people have failed. To take the opportunities put our way to bear testimony for the Savior. If a door's open to crack, why push the door open and give your testimony? You say, Mr. Mitchell, we should have so we, should, we must have wisdom in this. Yes, I know. We have so much wisdom we don't witness. And sometimes we sit down upon 
young Christians, babes in Christ, are so overwhelmed with the love of the Lord in saving them, uh, they're just barging where angels fear to tread and give a testimony. More power to them. Don't you quench or hinder or stop them bearing testimony for Christ. Whether it be on the street or in a church or in a factory, wherever it is, when there are people bearing testimony for Christ, you rejoice. And why not join with them and give a testimony too? And if we do not do it, then God's going to find some way to do it. God is going to see to it that our generation is going to hear the word of God. And when I think of the, of the avenues of mass communication today by radio, whether it be AM or FM or shortwave or television, my friend, the avenues that God has given to us to give forth the word of life, and you can become a part of it by prayer, by giving, by witnessing, you're on God's team. I want you to get this in your heart today. You and I are on God's team. To bear testimony to the world of a Savior who can save men from sin. You know, it's a wonderful thing to sit down and talk to somebody about the Savior and to have them say, you know, I've never heard these things before. On the other hand, I tell you, it grieves one's heart. I have gone to the hospital and have talked to old men in the hospital, men well up in years, haven't got many more days to live possibly, and it's bleak. And to talk to them about the Savior, and then when I've asked the question, has anyone ever talked to you like this before? And they have said, no, Mr. Mitchell. No one has ever explained this to me before. I thought I thought being a Christian was just being good and keeping the Ten Commandments or keeping the Golden Rule, attending church once in a while. But this wonderful story of redeeming grace, I've never heard that. Somewhere along the line, we have failed. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? I had a man, and I'll give you a personal testimony here, who asked me, if I was going to a certain hospital here in Portland, and I said, yes, I've got two or three of our people in the hospital, but I've got a friend, uh, would you go and see him? And he said, Mr. Mitchell, he is 68 years of age, and he's, it's a terminal case, cancer, he's going to die, and he doesn't know the Savior. I said, how long have you known him? Well, he said, we've done business for 20 years. Oh, I said, I can't go and talk to him. I don't want to rob you of the opportunity of talking to him about the Savior. You've never talked to him about the Savior? And he said, no, I never have. He said, Mr. Mitchell, I'm ashamed I haven't. Well, I said, why don't you go over and talk to him? Well, he said, I, I'm ashamed to do this after 20 years. Will you, will you talk to him? I said, if I do, I'll tell him that you sent me. Oh, he said, don't do that. I said, yes, he's going to die. Does it make any difference? I've got no point of contact. I don't even know the man. But I'll go and see him. So I went to see him. And I, it was Wednesday morning, I went to see him. And when I saw him, I, there was a sign on the door, no visitors allowed. Well, I walked in. 
The nurse came in right afterwards and said, Are you a relative? I said, No. Can't you read signs? Yes, I can read signs. But I said, I'm here on business. And if you want to stay in, I'd be very happy to have you stay. And when she found what I was going to talk about, she, she left the room. And I talked to this man about the Savior, and he said, Mister, he said, I have no use for religion. I have no use for religion. I said, can I tell you a little story? And I sat down by the bedside, and I explained to him in simple words what Jesus Christ had done for sinners. He died not for good people. He didn't die for religious people. He died for sinners. And when one is saved, they've got to come as sinners and accept the Savior. And I had a good time talking to him about the Lord. I said, can you read? He said, no, my eyes are gone. I can't read. Well, I said, won't you accept the Savior? He said, you know, this is a, if I understand it correctly, it means the difference between life and death. Is that right? I said, that's correct. I'd like to think about it. I said, well, I'll tell you, uh, I can't come tomorrow, but I'll come the next day and say yes. He said, I'm happy to say yes. I said, I'll, I'll talk about the Savior. He said, yes, I'll talk about the Savior. Now, while I was talking to him in the next bed, was a was a sheet up between the two beds. Uh, someone was in there, and I heard them groaning, and I thought that they were, in, I didn't see who it was. They were groaning. I thought they were groaning because of pain. But just about 10 minutes before I entered that room, they had moved this man into this other bed, and he was a Christian. And he heard me talking to this man about the Savior. I want you to keep that in mind. So I left, I prayed with a man. I said, do you mind if I pray with you? He said, I don't care what you do. So I prayed for him and left the room. The next day, my friend said to me, did you see my friend up at the hospital? I said, yes, I saw him yesterday. He said, uh, did he accept the Savior? I said, no. He said he wanted time to think about it. I said, why? I said, I'm going to see him tomorrow. He said, it's too late. He died today. I'm very, very sorry. On Monday, this man met me and he said, I've got the sequel to your experience. Just before he died, he cried out, what must I do to be saved? And the man in the other bed said, you do what the fellow told you. You accept the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. You'll pass from death to life. And he accepted the Savior and then went into eternity. And when this dear man's wife came to the to the room to get her husband things. This dear fellow in the next bed told her what her husband had done and said, do you know the Savior? She said, no. And he had the joy of leading this wife to the Lord. But the thing that got my heart was, here's a man, 68 years of age, somewhere around 68 years of age, a fine-looking fellow, and nobody had ever sat down and talked to him about the Savior. Don't wait until they're in the hospital. Don't wait until they're ready to die. My Christian friend, may your life, may your life before your friends and neighbors uh, bear out the fact that you belong to the Savior. And when the opportunity is given, and sometimes you have to wait for the opportunity, but if the opportunity is given to say a word for the Savior, won't you do it? You are my witnesses, said Jesus. We're fellow workers together with God. And I tell you again, and I don't mind telling it again, Christ has finished his work for the world. He died for it. 
The Spirit of God convicts the world of their need of a Savior. And you and I are to be God's channels to bring the testimony of the gospel to them. Remember, we are to shine as lights, holding forth the word of life. We are ambassadors for Christ. In behalf of Christ, beseeching men to be reconciled to God. Because he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. What a lesson. What a message. That God can take sinners like you and me and transform us from unrighteous people to stand before God in all the righteousness of Christ. To transform children of wrath into children of the living God. To take those who are afar off, dead in trespasses and sins, and bring them nigh through the precious gospel of Christ, that they might have life and have it more abundantly. And this is what God has for you. And this is what he has for me. Now, wouldn't it be a wonderful thing that today, whatever you are, whoever you are, whatever your circumstances are, just you get into fellowship with God. Come back into fellowship with God if that fellowship is broken. And then as you go out, ask the Lord, the Spirit, to find you not only available but usable. It may be just a kind word. It may be just a quoting of a scripture. It may be a very attitude to people. God uses all these things. Sweet Spirit, an open heart, a kind word, the word of God. And remember, even though it's given in weakness, the Spirit of God will take the word, and he will make that word to abound in your heart and bring conviction to the one to whom you speak. Remember, the Spirit of God is on the job. The word of God is the power of God to mourn men. The power is in him. The love is in him. The compassion is in him. All he wants is a channel. So as you yield yourself to the Lord, he will find you a channel of bearing testimony to somebody today of our precious, wonderful Savior. May you have that joy today. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. If it's only a wee word, if it's only a kind act, God uses all these things. But in the final analysis, it's the Spirit of God using the Word of God through you. Through you. You're on God's team. You're God's partner. Now live in the joy of it, in the power of it, in the life of it. And remember, with the beseech men in Christ's stead to be reconciled to God. Now may the Lord bless you today for his name's sake.
We trust that your hearts have been blessed and encouraged through the study of God's Word. Our teacher, Dr. John G. Mitchell, was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. Through the years, Dr. Mitchell touched a lot of lives as he served as founder and pastor of Central Bible Church in Portland, Oregon, and one of the founders and professors of Multnomah School of the Bible, now Multnomah University. He was also a pioneer radio speaker. In his day, there were no tape recorders, so he and his organist had to be at the station five evenings a week. He was heard live every weekday on radio stations in the Northwest. By the grace of God, we can still benefit from the ministry and teaching of Dr. John G. Mitchell. In his own words, his goal was to help you fall in love with the Savior, and his teachings always tended to fill your mind with the Lord Jesus Christ. Dr. Mitchell prayed for the prayer requests of his radio listeners, and the unchanging word is committed to continue praying for our listeners. And our conviction is that the word of God has never changed and never will. The unchanging word is dependent on the support of our listeners. Remember to write and give us your thoughts and encouragement, and also remember to send us your prayer praises and prayer requests. You may write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the unchanging word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. That's the unchanging word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. The unchanging word. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Life begins at Calvary.